you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Welcome to We Are Survivors, a podcast about The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 2. I am Jared, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with my buddy, Bobby Schessler. Hey, hey, Ja, thanks for having me. The last episode, we uh, went over Tommy's Dam, the university, and the Lakeside Resort. And now we're coming toward the end of the game, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the bus depot, the Firefly Lab, and the epilogue. Um, actually, I mean, to be honest with you, of these three last chapters, it almost feels like one big chapter because the bus depot, I think it's just more story and world building, uh, action happens in the firefly lab and then the epilogue, you know, it's just that, that that's it. It's just the end of the game. So this episode might be a little short, but I don't know. Me and Bob can talk. definitely we'll see what happens but let's uh let's get started with the bus depot this happens right after well it doesn't happen right after uh what happened in david's camp it's actually summer now so winter's over it's now summer and joel and ellie finally make it to salt lake city and they can see the hospital in the distance joel is in a good mood uh and he's talking to ellie about how he used to play the guitar and said he'd teach her but the thing ellie is like very distant even when you start the scene She's like staring at like a an etching of a deer, you know, on the highway. Uh-huh. Uh, and when Joel's talking to her, he's like, "Hey, do, do you hear me? I'm talking to you. I said, I'm gonna teach you to play the guitar." She's like, "Oh, oh, yeah, well, that's nice." And I think they do that scene extremely well because they bring you over to being in Ellie, like to where you're seeing from her perspective, and there's like a hum going on you could barely hear joel's voice talking in the distance but it's like she's focused on something else and kind of blocking him out and i thought that was a really cool way to show that she was off in her own world yeah absolutely like i mean obviously what happened in david's camp uh at the lakeside resort is bothering her clearly like she's still very bothered by it well, and um, Joel, like you said, is on cloud nine. Like, and you could tell by the things that he's saying to her, I'm going to teach you guitar, all of this stuff. We're going to do this after. Joel, at this point, has, like, in my mind, like, he's considering Ellie his, you know, maybe not daughter, but like, like she is now family. I think in Joel's mind, like he's planning on like helping, you know, raise her, you know, being in her life that from this point going forward. Right. Exactly. It's it's very clear. Uh, You're making your way or you're trying to make your way to the hospital and you, you know, you have to go through this bus depot, but before you get there, I did find like there's one thing you pass so you can pass by this if you want to you probably won't because you're going to be looking for supplies but there's a trailer in the middle of the road and if you go into the trailer i don't think there's any text in the trailer there's no notes there's a picture but that's it and the trailer tells a story on its own i thought it was interesting you go in there and they're they're well, hanging out of the trailer there's one dead body it's a guy 
And then you go into the trail and there's three dead bodies. There's two children and then what you might think is a woman. Like, everybody's a corpse and, you know, they're skeletons and stuff, but based off of what they're wearing. And, you know, the picture is a picture of a guy, his wife and his kids. And it's like, it's very clear what happened is like, you know, he probably realized, he probably realized like, you know, we're not going to make it. And he killed his wife and kids and then killed himself. Did you see that trailer? Do you know what I'm talking about, Bob? I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know that I caught on to the he killed himself part. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, well, you don't see, actually, I don't even know if you see a gun. The thing that you, you get an indicator for bullets, like that there's bullets near his body. Yeah, I think I just kind of skipped over that. I definitely, but I think I was more worried about why Ellie was being so distant at that point. I wasn't really paying a lot of attention. I was just looking for supplies. I was in supply mode. This is in my second playthrough, so I did notice more things than I think I did the first time. And that's one of the things like, you know, clearly, like when you look at where they're laying, there's blood splatter near them. So they got shot. They, they didn't just die there. It's not like they just died of hunger or something like that. They were shot or stabbed or something, probably shot. You know, and that's a uh, trope. They use in a lot of those types of movies and now, I guess, games. But it's something you see a lot where. You don't want to turn, so you end up killing your family and then killing yourself. Did you ever see that Stephen King movie, uh, The Fog? I, think? I did. I did. Uh, oh, you, I know exactly what you're talking about, where he <laughs> kills everybody, then it's over. And you're just like, no. Yeah, like the sound that they heard, they thought it was a monster coming to get him, so he... He did what he thought was a humane thing and killed everybody, including his kid. And uh, he didn't. Ha- he thought he was being a hero by not killing himself. And he, was, I guess, he was just going to get killed by the monster. And when it comes through, it's just a, a truck full of people that survived. Oh man! And yeah, and it's over at that point. And literally, he yep. just had to wait five minutes. Oh my god, I forgot about that. You gave me goosebumps like thinking about yeah. that. Yep. So that's, yeah, that's anytime I see something like that, that's what, that's what I think of. But so, uh, actually on the way to the bus terminal or the bus depot, Ellie tells Joel about a dream of flying that she had. And in this dream, she was on a plane and the plane was crashing. She goes, there's no pilot and the plane is crashing. She tries to control the plane. She can't. And right before the plane crashes, she wakes up. The thing is, she's never been on an airplane before. Never. Uh, which was the interesting part. But I think that's that feels like, you know, in a game like this, they're probably trying to relay a message through her dream. And I think it just kind of feels like maybe she feels like she's not in control of her life. Right? That's uh, what yeah, that, I that, that. that I think that would be the the most obvious meaning of of that is that she feels like she's not in control of her life and you know she's crashing uh so that's a conversation that they had but you get inside the bus station and you know ellie's still distant like you know you you do that move where you go to get have her like lift her up someplace so Mm -hmm. she can like push down a ladder or something like that and you go to do it and for the first time she's like not there and joel like the camera turns and she's like sitting down far away from joel and joel's like Ellie, like, come on, like, you know, we got to hop too. So she's really out of, like, in her own head right now. 
but you do you do get her on the top uh like where you need her to be and she drops down the ladder but then you hear noise and she like she's like oh my god and she runs toward it and uh she's like you gotta see this when you get up there and it's funny because you don't really see what's going on yet and you walk through the building and you can kind of catch glimpses of it but then you turn a corner and then boom there's a giraffe you know uh he's i guess they're basically eating the um the overgrowth on the building yeah the leaves the leaves on the building and uh you get close to it and and you pet it you know and this is what you were talking about in the other episode where yes, you were like yes, hey, yes. how do those goddamn giraffes get out there <laughs> yeah well and what's crazy is that you might think that scene isn't realistic with the giraffe letting you pet it but I'll tell you, like I when I lived in Colo- when I lived in Colorado Springs, they have this really cool zoo where basically a a deck is built. It's like ten or twelve feet off of the ground, and that's where you walk around and see the giraffes. And you can buy romaine lettuce to feed to them, and they come right up to you. I've got a picture of me with a a giraffe's head, a selfie with me. And a giraffe head right next to my head. And right. they're really kind animals. So yeah. it was kind of neat for me because I had actually done that before when I played. Yeah. And and you, you said before, like, where they come from. And I'm just kind of like, so in the bus depot, there are signs for a zoo that's nearby. It was oh, like no, probably no. a tourist attraction. My question wasn't where they come from. My question was how the fuck did they survive? Like giraffes are like a, a fighting species. <laughs> like if a clicker comes at them, they're done. So how the hell is there like 10 giraffes? Dude, I've seen a giraffe fight off a lion. Seriously? Like, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find the video. It's on YouTube. And like it stomps the lion and kills it. Maybe that's my ignorance. I just... Didn't see giraffes as something that could fend off clickers and runners and bloaters. and Like, think about how big they are, how heavy they must be. They use that weight, man. <laughs> you know? I know they fight each other with their necks. Like, they, <laughs> they got a lot of muscle mass there. It just, seems, it just seemed crazy, because it's been 20 years and giraffes are still surviving i don't know it seemed like you'd show me lions like show me monkeys monkeys can climb trees and get away that all i can believe but the giraffes were a little weird for me man if giraffes can survive in africa i'm pretty sure they like you know they can they can they can survive and there, there's no cover for them out there yeah you know I, I mean they, i guess they're the I tallest guess. things out there it's just they can it's a, as long as they can get the food that they need, I think they're okay. And I don't know if giraffes, I don't know if you would call it a pack. Like, what would you call it that they travel in? Is it a pack, a giraffe pack, or herd? It's called a tower. A group of, of giraffes is called a tower. So, like a murder of crows, you have a tower of giraffe. Giraffes. Giraffi. Giraffes. I, I don't know. I think it's just giraffes. Giraffes, think, yeah. 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 Okay. So a tower of drafts, educational podcast, everybody educational. <laughs> oh, all right. So, yeah. But after you, you know, you, you see that and you have a little moment with Ellie, uh, you know, Joel starts to talk to her. He says, you know, they don't have to go through with this. And he says that they can go back to Tommy's 
but Ellie's like, you know, she says, you know, with everything they've been through and everything she's done, it can't be for nothing. And the way she said that, it makes me feel like she feels guilty about something that she's done. Right. But the thing is, like, she really hasn't. She has killed uh, bandits. She's killed. She killed some of David's men. She killed David, obviously. Um, she killed the shit out of David, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, that was all in self-defense, you know, like that was all in self-defense. So it's like, well, what is she really feeling guilty about? I think we get we we kind of get the answer in the epilogue. Maybe. But, or maybe she just wants to make a a difference in the world and she's tired of always being scared, always running, always losing people, you know, and goes back to her reading that that diary when she runs away from Joel and Tommy. And she's like, is this she's reading a diary of a girl her age. And she's like, is this all they had to worry about is what to wear? And if boys would notice it, you know, she's just like, what a different world, you know, it's where she gets that realization. So I wonder if she just wants to make a difference and she wants to make change. There's a possibility. So, uh, but yeah, after that, I mean, like I said, this part is a really kind of dialogue and story heavy because after that part, you uh, run into a me- like a medical triage unit, and Joel talks about you know him waking up there after the incident with Sarah. Well, this place takes me back. How so? It was right after everything went down. I ended up in a triage just like this. And everywhere you look, you just it's all families torn apart. Whole damn world seemed to have turned upside down in a blink. Was that after you lost Sarah? Yes, it was. I can't imagine losing someone you love like that. Losing everything that you know. I'm sorry, Joel. That's okay, Ellie. And, you know, he, he kind of explains what that felt like and what it was like. Uh, you know, what he saw happen in the families and things like that. Um, and it's a, it's a sad story, obviously. And, you know, Ellie says she's, she's sorry for him. But before you leave that area, Ellie, she gives you a picture. She gives Joel a picture of him and Sarah. Now, I'm not sure if we mentioned it before, but Tommy tried to give you the same exact picture. He, Tommy had held onto this picture. And this is in, in, at Tommy's Dam. And Joel did not want the picture. Joel just does not want any reminders. Yeah, he doesn't want any reminders. But now when, you know, Ellie gives him pictures and says, hey, you know, Maria told me about it and I stole it and I wanted to give it to you. And Joel thanked her. You know, he was like, I guess no, no matter how you try to outrun your past, uh, it catches up with you. So Joel says, thank you. And this is really just signaling that Joel is healing emotionally and stuff like that. Uh, we'll talk about more at the end, but I'm like, that's bullshit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think, Uh, I think Ellie has become his spirit animal. Like she is, you know, she has reinvigorated the old Joel that died 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. So she's definitely, I mean, he's definitely changed to a degree, to a degree. I would say he's changed in his attitude toward her and stuff like that. So. 
definitely different, but I, I, I have a case that Joel never actually changed. <laughs> we'll get to that at the end, toward the end of the show. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, after this, you head into a tunnel, and this tunnel has a ton of infected. This is probably the last time you're this is the last time you're going to deal with infected in the game. And it's kind of like your final trial, you know, to, to make it to the infected because everything's in here. There's runners. There's multiple bloaters. Some of some of them are in the same space. There's a bunch of clickers. This know. is where I use the shit out of the the uh, the flamethrower. I used it a ton here. Oh, uh, dude, I barely killed anything in here. I used the arrows on the runners that were in the way because the bloaters and the clickers can't see you. So I used the arrows that were on the runners in the way. There was one part where you have to go around in a tight quarter. There's three runners in there. For that one, I used an arrow on one. Uh, actually, no, I used an arrow on two of them. And then I shivved, not shivved, but I choked one out. See, this, so I got tells, all my me, this tells me in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you probably played the exact opposite character that I played. I played... A warrior that just goes in is like, what's up, dudes? Let's go. And you probably played the guy that snuck around, killed what you had to kill, and was out. Pretty much, yeah. That's that's kind okay, of the way okay. it went. Because I killed everything <laughs> in that in that tunnel. Every single thing. I, I don't want to get too far off track, but the reason I didn't do that in Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Origins is because I felt it was too repetitive. Like it just felt super repetitive to me. So I didn't fight like that. I just like I, I stealthed everything. <laughs> See, I would usually stealth, like the first little part of it, get like the the towers down where they could call more people, and then I'd just go in. I just go in and start just destroying people. Uh, gotcha. But I mean, that game. You know, I think both of these games are made to where you can play the two different play styles. Like you know, this one is a little. It's a little less. Well, I, by the time you get to the end of the game, yeah. you should have at a, this point a big you're a badass. Yeah, yeah, you have a so yeah. Like in the beginning of the game, no, but I was like you. Depending on how like how you use your weapons, if you use them in, in conjunction with the tools like your molotovs and your like um, nail bombs stuff like that, you could probably get away with going loud here. And depending but, um, on how you've worked up your character and used your upgrades too, that is true. Yeah, so even that last part where, so the last part, there are three clickers, two bloaters, and two runners. So since the runners can see, I killed the runners, but I did it with an arrow, right? Uh, I was able to sneak past all, both, all three clickers, both bloaters. I thought there's a part where Ellie has to push down this crate for you. I thought when she pushed down the crate, it was going to make enough noise to activate the bloaters. It makes noise, but nobody does anything. So yeah, I just able to sneak past that entire part. Easy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of like the last time you'll deal with the infected. Uh, but you know, you make your way farther through the tunnel, you get to another part of the tunnel that basically has, it has like rapids, like the water is moving rapidly. And you're trying to use the tops of cars to get around. But, you know, you, Joel jumps onto a bus. Ellie jumps on a bus first, and it's okay. But Joel jumps on second, and it dislodges the bus. So Joel actually ends up falling into the bus, and the water is pushing him uh, to the back. And Ellie jumps back on the bus, opens the door from the top, but then the bus turns over. And now she's in the water, and she can't swim. 
so when Joel finally frees himself, he's able to get Ellie, pull her out, but she's not breathing when they pull her to the surface. When they get to the surface, there's actually two fireflies waiting there. They're telling him to get his hands up. He won't put his hands up because he's trying to revive her, and they hit her in him, hit him in the head and knocked out. So this is the first time you see the other fireflies and you realize how big of an asshole, like how big of assholes they are. You know, they see him trying to revive, a, a, you know, a kid who's not breathing mm-hmm. and they, they, they hit him with the gun. You know, they knock him out. So uh, at least you found the fireflies, right? <laughs> but <laughs> And also, can we say, let's hope to gosh, let's hope that Joel has taught Ellie how to swim by the time Last of Us 2. <laughs> yeah maybe it's obviously so, a skill she needs to learn obviously yeah to survive in this world and essentially you're gonna be playing as her in the last of us too so i would hope she can swim you know cause i'm sure they're gonna have water parts i yeah, mean that'll be yeah. interesting a character i can't swim i mean it might keep it because it might make things interesting it might be it might add to for puzzle elements i know some spoilers so i can't say anything but we will see. I'll just say that. Ah, gotcha. So uh, Joel wakes up in a hospital bed and Marlene is there. Welcome to the Fireflies. Sorry about that. They didn't know who you were. And Ellie? She's all right. They brought her back. <sighs> you came all this way. How'd you do it? It was her. She fought like hell to get here. Maybe it was meant to be. I lost most of my crew crossing the country. I pretty much lost everything. And then you show up and somehow we find you just in time to save her. Maybe it was meant to be. Take me to her. You don't have to worry about her anymore. We'll take care. I worry. Just let me see her, please. You can't. She's being prepped for surgery. The hell do you mean, surgery? The doctors tell me the cordyceps, the growth inside her, has somehow mutated. It's why she's immune. Once they remove it, they'll be able to reverse engineer a vaccine. A vaccine. But it grows all over the brain. It does. Find someone else. There is no one else. Listen, you were going to show me where... Stop. I get it. But whatever it is you think you're going through right now is nothing to what I have been through. I knew her since she was born. I promised your mother I would look after her. Then why are you letting this happen? Because this isn't about me. Or even her. There is no other choice here. That bullshit. March him out of here. He tries anything, shoot him. Don't waste this gift, Joel. And Marlene is like surprised that they made it. And Joel gives credit to Ellie. He says, you know, it was like her, she pushed, she fought hard as hell to get here. And Marlene, she starts talking. She says, well, 
I lost almost all my crew coming back. She says, I lost everything. Uh, and they don't really, in dialogue, they don't talk about this. But if you, when you're moving around the fire, the facility, if you find her recordings or you find her notes, then it details what she means when she lost everything. So, uh, yeah, she says she lost everything. And, uh, you know, they both say, hey, it must, it was meant to be, I guess, you know, because, you know, Joel, they made it despite all the odds. You know, Marlene says she was just about to give up and boom, they, they, they magically show up. You know, so they're like, it, it was meant to be. So after that, after they have this little nice conversation, Joel wants to be taken to Ellie. And Marlene is saying, you know, she's not your problem anymore. And Joel's like, no, what are you talking about? Like, I, I want to see her. Take me to her, please. And Marlene says that she can't because she's being prepped for surgery. And she has to explain to Joel why. So this is where we find out why Ellie is immune. So I know before you said like, another episode, I can't remember if it was the last one, the one before that, where you were talking about, you know, um, Ellie having antibodies that people might be able to use and stuff like that. Well, he, the, like from my, to, from my understanding, based off of what they said, Ellie is not actually immune to the virus. She's not. What has happened is that the, she has a mutated version of the virus. The virus has mutated and it's mutated in a way that it has not killed her. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Well, and so, so there's this show, this net, this net Netflix show called Van Helsing. And it's about a great, 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 great relative of Van Hels of Van, of Van Helsing. And she's a girl. And the way the uh, story works is, they have a mutated version of vampirism. So she's actually a vampire, but if she bites a regular vampire, she turns them back human and they can't be turned back into a, a vampire again. But it's basically, they're not really human anymore. They're like the human version of having the vampirism disease or whatever. So I just, I just thought of that story and I just wondered if Ellie bit somebody, would they become like her? Would they, you know, get that, you know, that mutated version and then not be able to be turned by others. That's what I was right. just, I, I was just spitballing. Right. Cause yeah, she does have the virus, right? She is infected. She can breathe in spores. Uh, and you know, but the thing is, like, she she has the virus as just a mutated version. So they say that, you know, they can with they can create a vaccine based on this. However, they have to remove the virus from her. The virus grows in the brain. That's why the people have all the they don't have faces anymore. Right. Right. They, yeah. The virus grows out of the out of their heads. Um, and in order to get it, they essentially have to kill her, you know. And Joel is not with that. He is arguing with Marlene and then a firefly soldier hits him. And Marlene is saying, you know, whatever you're going through, it's worse for me. I've known her since she was a kid. I told her mama I'd protect her. And Joel's like, well, why aren't you protecting her then? Why can't you find somebody else? And she's like, well, it's not about me. It's not about her. You know, she says yeah, she, the, 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 the good of everybody else. Yeah. Marlene is looking at the big picture. Joel's like, I just got another daughter back. What the fuck? You know? 
Right, he's exactly. probably not thinking with a like a clear head and a calm mind. Oh, no. He never does, which <laughs> I'll get into it later. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, yeah, so Marlene tells the soldier, take Joel out, you know, march him out. And if he tries anything to kill him, and the soldier is, is, is just itching to kill Joel. He's itching to, because he's an asshole. Like, he's, he's just been nothing but mean to Joel the whole time. Um, you know, he hit him in the face once. Hit him like he, like you know, he uh, well, he he made his knee buckle. You know, and he's following Joel out the gun. Joel gets the the upper hand and is able to take the gun and is trying to get information out of him. Guys, not saying anything, so he starts shooting him in the groin, and he keeps shooting him until he gives him the information he's looking for. And then he shot him in the head. He let him die. Was that the groin? I think that was the stomach. He was shooting him in the stomach because that's the one of the most painful ways to die and one of the most painful gunshot wounds you can take it looked like the like where he had the gun it looked like the groin area to me like it looked like it looked right underneath the stomach like right underneath it yeah okay uh, yeah so uh he he shot him and that alerts all of the other soldiers so now you have to make your way through the hospital and besides the guards in boston these are probably the most heavily armed enemies you're going to come across. Yep, and they got you know. lights on their guns and everything yeah, else. Yeah, lights. On. They have uh M4, they have M4s, M4A1s. They have some pretty hefty weaponry uh at the, at the Firefly base. And um yeah, like it, I I they so I was talking to somebody else, a friend of mine, he did not like this part. I, mean, I thought maybe he was maybe he was just having trouble with it. This is one of the, I think, one of the better parts in the game in terms of uh, action. And this is another well, part why that did I didn't not, do a lot of fighting. Why did he not like it, though? Did he not like it because you're basically, at this point, killing innocents? Like, the Fireflies are trying to do a good thing, and you're slaughtering them at this point. So I could see I mean, why, why, uh, why it would be something you'd be like, ah, am I doing the right thing? Like, do I have a choice here? Nah, he, I think he's just getting frustrated with, with the gameplay at this point. Remember, like, I, like we're talking about like playing on the PS3 too. So versus the PS4. So, you know, it was a little more, bit more difficult because the frame rate would stutter. Uh, it was a low frame rate to begin with. It wasn't as smooth as on the PS4 version. So it was probably a bit more frustrating to play back then. Um, there were a now. lot. There, there were a lot of enemies and a lot of different routes to take. But that's the thing. This is another place where I, I think I killed three people in the in the opening parts. Like it's there's crazy. only one I killed so many people. <laughs> there's only one person. There's only one part where you actually. Well, you don't. I guess technically speaking, you don't have to fight them. There is a way to get around them, but at that point. I was just like, fuck it, I'm going for it. Because, you know, it, they were all in one direction. But yeah, that first part where you come out, the first two guys that come at you, I take both of them out. Actually, uh, a lot, most of the guys that I took out were the ones that were patrolling. That was a thing. Yep. Because I didn't want them moving around and finding me. So I took out the first two patrols. And then there's another uh, pair of guys who come and they patrol. I just took out one of them. No, actually, no. So I took out four guys. I ended up taking out all of the patrols. But the guys that were static, that would move, that would just move their gun from place to place, I just stealthed around them. 
But after you got their machine gun, did you not want to just try that sucker out? Like they had the I, awesome I, mach- I, the, uh, machine guns, and I just had so much fun with with those at that point. I did get a chance to do it, yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, you make your way through the facility. Like I said, the only place is right before the final doors, like the doors right before the operating room. They're set up there waiting for you. And even some of them I stealthed. I stealthed three of those guys on the sides. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw that there were more, so they were at the very back. There are two of them standing next to each other. I'm like, if I take one out, the other one's going to get alerted. So I actually went back to the front where there was cover. And then I started shooting them from there. So I, I actually started that firefight from there after I had already stealthed three of them. Um, so, yeah. But this is like, the, now the important thing about the facility, when you're moving around, you find out more about Marlene, you find out more about her mental state and like what happened to her. So you can find recordings from her and some journal and a journal from her. And the first recording, she is talking about how the, the doctors told her that they were going to have to kill Ellie. Essentially they said in some medical term way, but essentially they're going to have to kill Ellie is what they told her. And she is at her breaking point. She's like, I just want this to end. She's like, I can't like, she's like, when is the test going to stop? I just want this to end. So be it. And so I think by the time, you know, she's talking to Joel, she is through, she's through, she's done. She's at her breaking point. And it seems kind of cold at first, which is, I guess, technically speaking, eh, I don't know. That's debatable. Right. Yeah. But if you find her journal, where she journaled her journey back from Boston to Utah, you know, she lost people when she got back to the firefly lab, you know, there was a kind there's a warm welcome for some of her people, but not her because one, they lost Boston two, She lost a bunch of people and three, she lost Ellie. Like, you know, when she got back and they she asked, is did Ellie make it? And they're like, no, they assume, oh, they all assumed that she, Ellie was dead. You know, they just assumed she was dead and now it's her fault. And she's like, you know, the way that these people look at me now, because to them, Ellie is their last hope. Ellie is the hope. And Marlene botched it, right? Marlene sent the last hope of humanity with the smugglers, you know? And she was saying, you know, I was, I was, she said she panicked. Like she said she healed up pretty fast and she should have trusted her people more. If she would have trusted her people, she probably would have kept Ellie for herself. But honestly, I mean, Ellie probably would have died with them, right? Yeah. I mean, they didn't have a great track record of uh, fighting against the Federales, so I don't know that they could have handled. But, you know, maybe with more people, they could have traveled easier. I I don't know. Right. So, you know, she's getting a lot of flack. You know, a lot of people distrust her. Or they're disappointed with her back at the Firefly base. And like maybe, I don't know, a day before Joel and Ellie make it back, she's like, she was saying that, you know, she she can't stay here. So it looked, it sounded like she was looking to leave. You know, she was saying she said she couldn't stay there. She couldn't take it anymore. And then boom, Ellie and Joel show up at the, at the, you know, city limits <laughs> with, uh, you know, or probably probably like the day of or the day before she was planning to leave. Yeah, um, it's probably pretty surreal for her to think that, wow, you did make it here. She's probably thinking it's fate, you know. 
Right, exactly. And then you find another recording right before you get to the operating room where she's talking. She's actually having like a conversation with Ellie's dead mom, you know, like, you know, kind of like praying a little bit. And she was saying, you know, I protected her like, you know, like I said I would, but now I don't really have a choice. And she actually mentions that the higher ups, the other fireflies wanted her to kill Joel, but she didn't want to kill Joel because he's the only person who would understand, you know, how she's feeling. So, you know, Joel could have just died right there. And that also shows, now I understand why they probably wanted to kill Joel. They probably wanted to kill him because like, okay, well, this guy knows what the base is now. We can't let him go. He's not going to be a firefly. He has to die. You know, yep. that's probably how they're doing it. But yeah, so she didn't kill Joel. And now that's actually having some repercussions because Joel is tearing this place apart. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you do. Which goes find... back to my theory that he's ex military. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> way back from episode one. Uh, so you do find that. Uh, you do find Ellie in an operating room on on a table, and there's a doctor, and he's like, "You're not supposed to be in here." And he grabs the scapel. I was like, "You're not going to take her." And Joel just takes the scapel and like rips his throat out. <laughs> you know, yeah, like it I was mean, and it's a you know, I don't like that part was rough too because like I don't I feel like the doctors like first off, in post apocalyptic world, like doctors would be would be like gold i mean they'd be right four times what a horse was in the in the wild west because they're just their your life your lifeline and they're few and far between and you know making new ones is extremely hard without you know proper society and everything so i thought this was weird that like could he have just like punched him did he need to use the scalpel? I don't know. Well, we won't know now. Because <laughs> that man is dead. And actually, that nurse says, you're an animal. <laughs> and what the, they didn't say, I don't think they said the other guy's name, but he's like, shut up, Kyrie. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. It was, a, it was supposed to be like a tense moment, but that part was funny to be like, like shut up, Kyrie. You know. Uh, so, yeah, Joel grabs Ellie and he, he runs out. You're being chased by the fireflies on the way out, but you make it to the elevator. And when you get downstairs, you, you know, stop the elevator from going back up. Classic move. But Marlene is down there waiting for you. You can't save her. Even if you get her out of here, then what? How long before she's torn to pieces by a pack of clickers? That is, if she hasn't been raped and murdered first. It ain't for you to decide. It's what she'd want. You know it. Look. You can still do the right thing here. She won't feel anything. And she's got the gun on you and she's saying, hey, you know, she's trying to talk you down, essentially. She's saying, you know. She doesn't want to kill you, you know, obviously from the recordings. Right. She didn't want to kill Joel, but then she's saying, you know, you can't save her. You can't save her from the clickers. You can't save her from the rapists, the murderers. You know, you can't save her. And, you know, then she says something that was probably very true, that this is what she would want. That was probably very true. Ellie would probably want to be able to save people. If if her dying would save people, she would want it. 
based on the type of personality she is, right? Definitely. And I think I agree. I think she was definitely right. I think Ellie, given the choice, would have sacrificed herself. And what's weird is we don't know what conversations Marlene had with Ellie before the operation, if any. Very true. We don't. We don't know that she might have told Ellie that Ellie was going to die and Ellie accepted it. You know, we just don't know. And that makes a lot of sense based on something Ellie says toward the end in the epilogue. Uh, and we're we'll probably going to talk about it in a minute here. But, you know, the thing about this cinematic is that they, they do a quick switch on you. They make you think that Joel might have left Ellie behind. Because right after that scene, it well, shows Joel drive. Well, hold on. You didn't finish that scene, though. I did, I did in, in, in the sequence that they showed it. Oh, really? They show... Yeah, they. I'll, I'll go through. So the sequence. So right okay. after Marlene says that to Joel, Joel, like they show Joel, and Marlene starts to like you know move her gun away, like saying, "Hey, I'm not going to hurt you." Joel is driving in a car, and they try to make you. They're trying to make you wonder if he left Ellie or not. But then Ellie wakes up in the back seat and she says, "What happened?" And then they kind of flip back, and Joel. Like she, like as Marlene is coming closer, Joel acts like he's going to give Ellie to her. And instead he actually gets his gun and shoots Marlene and she hits the ground. That's that's what happens. Cold blood. She wasn't going to be able to stop him. Instead of letting her live, he killed her so she couldn't come after them. Right. Yeah. So like she, so he shoots her. And then, like, in terms of the sequence, they go back to the car, and Ellie's asking what happened. He tells Ellie that they have a whole bunch of people who are immune, and that it's not helping, and that to the point that they're no longer looking for a cure. That's what he tells Ellie, and she just turns over. Like, she's upset, clearly. And then it switches back to him with Marlene, and Marlene is, she begs for her life. She says, please, let me live. And Joel says... You'll just come after us. And he shoots her in the head and kills her. Yeah. That was it. So, yeah, like, that's that's basically how that's that Marlene is dead. Joel has Ellie and they are heading back to Jackson at this point. Well, hold on, though. Tell me what you think about him killing Marlene instead of letting her live. Oh, well, I mean, well, this I don't know if I want to get into it now or if I want to get into it. Um, a little later when we're, when we're talking more about Joel and his, his personality, but it makes perfect sense. Cause he was right. I mean, it's not like Marlene is just going to let him go and let him live. You know, Marlene wants the cure, you know, and, and, and the, in the overall scheme of things, it will be better for humanity. You're talking about the life of one person versus millions or billions. Hopefully, hopefully there's still billions of people on the planet. Um, but then again, who makes that choice when that one person is the one is, is the, somebody close to you? So, you know, you, there's all these questions, I guess. Yeah. It's just, but if you want, do you feel like you want, that was right or that was wrong? Uh it was the most logical decision to make morally morals are out of the window in this game. Like morals, like <laughs> morals don't matter too much here. The, 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 yeah. Like, no, because it, it was the most logical decision to make. Like 
She like so she has fireflies. They have a network. Fireflies work on the red. They could be fireflies at Tommy's dam for all they know. They don't know. They could they could be undercover fly, fireflies there that have infiltrated Tommy's dam. So he doesn't want to go back to Tommy's dam. The firefly reports back, and then all of a sudden the fireflies show up at Tommy's dam because they're well armed. They're yeah. they're almost they're it's like they're almost as well armed as Fedra, except Fedra is probably probably rolls a bit deeper. You know? Yeah. Well, I just I just feel like I feel like I get Jill's decision, but I feel like it was wrong, like really wrong. And what the Fireflies were trying to do was right. But I don't hate Joel for it, though. I, I sympathize and understand. I don't, you know, I don't know that I could give up somebody that I really love. And I'd already been living 20 years in this apocalypse. Like, do I, you know, like, but it's definitely not a hero move what he did. Well, he's not a hero. I mean, it's up to, like what the Fireflies like an are. Hero. Not even an anti-hero. Like he like like he's just human. Like there's, there's no heroes or villains in The Last of Us. That's the point. There are no heroes or villains in The Last of Us. There are no good guys, no bad guys. There's just people trying to survive and people trying to survive in different ways. I would make the case Ellie's a hero. Uh I think she's young. <laughs> and, I, and idealistic. <laughs> but I mean, object like the, what the fireflies are doing was objectively right. I would say objectively right. It makes no sense. You kill one person, you save billions of people. That makes a ton of sense. And in the history books, it looks fine. But in the moment when you're dealing with one person, you know, that it's it's a it's a it's a there's a big difference. You know. So that's the thing. That's why I say like, you know, you right and wrong. Can we say, like, I, I honestly can't say you, what's right and wrong in this world. Like, for even the Hunters, for example, are they wrong for doing what they're doing? I can't say, I can't say that they're wrong. I can't, I'm also not going to say that they're right. You know what I'm saying? But I can't yeah. say they're wrong because this, that they're surviving and people are surviving in different ways. You know, the people at Tommy's Dam can live a certain way because they have housing, clearly. They have undisruptive ha- undisrupted housing. And they a have wall. a power plant. They have a wall. They have a power plant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they and they have a and they can work their society that way. Do, like, do the people of Pittsburgh have those resources? How do the people of Pittsburgh get their power? You know, do like you know do like you know do they have those resources? Um, you know, we saw other. I'm gonna call them like little colonies, like the one right after Pittsburgh, where it seemed that they were living peacefully, but somebody made a mistake and left the door open. Maybe if they were more a little, if they were a little, a little bit more militaristic, that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so yeah, that's the thing. Like it's hard to determine right and wrong here. Would I have done it? That's a different story. See, and, and I, <laughs> well, and this story, like the way that this world works is not as scary as say a walking dead where, Literally, everybody's already infected, and if someone dies in the night, they can become a zombie and then just start killing everybody and right. overtake. So, like, at least in this, you know, if they would have kept the door shut, they had, you know, very little chance of getting over overrun. So, 
it's still not as scary as some other stories could uh, could be. Right, exactly. So um, that was that was the end of the Firefly app. Now we get into the epilogue, which is is, is very short. Um, where they make it back to Jackson, but they can't drive it. In, they can't drive anymore. They have to walk a little bit, and Ellie's clearly distant and upset. And Joel is trying to tell her about Sarah and how her and Sarah be good friends. And she's like, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, you know, before they actually get to the town, you know, Ellie starts talking. He, she tells Joel about Riley and what happened with Riley. Back in Boston. Back when I was bitten. I wasn't alone. My best friend was there. And she got bit too. We didn't know what to do. So she says, let's just wait it out. You know, we can be all poetic and just lose our minds together. I'm still waiting for my turn. Ellie. Her name was Riley, and she was the first to die. And then it was Tess, and then Sam. None of that is on you. You don't understand. I struggled for a long time with surviving. And you... No matter what, you keep finding something to fight for. Now, I know that's not what you want to hear right now. Swear to me. Swear to me that everything that you've said about the Fireflies is true. I swear. She's like, you know, Riley was the first to die. Then there's Tess and there's Sam. And she's like, you know, when is it my turn? Essentially. Like, when is, like, what, like, what, like, you know, what's going to happen? It's like she feels bad for surviving, you know? Or she, she just seems like ready to die. Feels, she just feels like it could end at any time. What's the point? Right, exactly. And Joel tells her that she can't feel guilty for surviving and that they always have to find. A, a, a something to fight for and before he even finishes saying what he's going to say ellie interrupts him and she makes him swear that what he said about the fireflies is true and he swears she says okay and that's it the game is over now did ellie believe him I think she commit like she just take, took him for his word I don't know if she actually believes him or not but she says, Joel said, you know, he swears, I'm going to take his word for it. I think for sure she doesn't believe a word that he said. And it goes back to, like, what did Marlene tell Ellie before she went into surgery, if anything? Like, the way she says, okay, I think she's saying, okay, I just know you lied to me. I don't know. I think she, uh, for me, it just sounds like she's saying, okay, like, this, I'm going to take your word. Because I trust you. You know, I, I trust you. I'm going to take your word. And that's going to be that. I'd love to know what the listeners think. Tweet at us. So, <laughs> or like, come into the Discord and tell us what you think. Because I really think, from the way they did that, she did not believe him. And she was like, okay, you're just lying to me now. And mm. But she was okay with it. Because she loves Joel. 
Right. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I just think she just, she, I think she wants to feel some type of relief and whatever, you know, swear to me like that, that you're telling the truth. Okay, fine. I'll take your word for it. I'm tired of worrying about it. I'm tired of worrying about it. And that's, that's what I think happened. So now that we're at the end of the game, I mean, there's a DLC, but that's actually going to be next episode. We're at the end of the game, and, you know, when we started this, I was saying, like, well, will the story hold up? Does the gameplay hold up? Like, does this game hold up, you know, seven years later, essentially? And I definitely say the story holds up. The voice acting and the dialogue holds up for sure. Definitely. Like, I, like I played it for the first time in early Jan- January this year, and... It's now one of my favorite games of all time. Like, I mean, it was unreal how good it was. Yeah, like I even and you know the thing that definitely helped was the the better graphics of the PS4, even in terms of storytelling and uh, the facial expressions. Like, so it, I remember when I was watching the like the, it on PS3 when you shoot Marlene and she's begging for her life. I'm just kind of like, okay, let's get this over with. But like when you do it on the PS4 and you're looking at her facial expressions, she's extremely vulnerable. Like this is the first time in the game you've seen her vulnerable and they just, it's all over her face. Yeah. Even when she was shot, when you first ran into her early on in the game, she looked pretty composed and pretty badass. Yeah, exactly. So I think that really helps now from a gameplay perspective. I don't think it held up. So it's not bad gameplay, but it's very, it just feels very dated. The AI was never that great to begin with. Very easy to trick the AI, very easy to cheese the AI. Um, You know, like actually that whole part in the basement um, in, uh, in Pittsburgh where you actually fought the bloater and I just ran past everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure I was supposed to be a really intense experience. I was like, fuck this. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm out of here. It was you definitely know. intense. And uh, from what I hear, the AI has really stepped up in the, in the, in the new one, last of us two coming out. So it's something well, to looking, be really looking forward to. Yeah. So now I, I want to get to, cause over the, I have talked about how much I've hated Joel since this game came out. Yeah, how much I dislike Joel. Why? Why? I mean, I right. fell in love with Joel because he had the same vulnerabilities that I have had at different times in my life, and I saw his pain. I also have a daughter, so like the daughter dying at the start really jacked me up, and. It just, you know, is what I talked about in the, you know, in the first or second episode where I talked about how it was like the John Wick start where they kill a dog. And, you know, if you kill a dog, like, well, shit's about to go down. You know what I mean? Like, but right. This was a daughter. And for me specifically, I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, you know, and so it just, it pushed me from the beginning with his grief at his anger. And I felt it going through the game. So the two characters I mentioned that were my two most hated characters in video games were Kratos and Joel. And I actually disliked them for the same exact reason. Except now Kratos, like I said, has redeemed himself. So he's off the list. Which I need to I need to finish that so I can see why, because he sure seems like a dick at the start, man. 
Oh, man. I, we'll talk about it later. I'm not going to talk about it now. I'm not going to get off track. God, I fucking <laughs> love that game. <laughs> but um, So the thing about Joel and Kratos is that they are both incredibly selfish. And they're both incredibly emotion-driven. Uh, they're, they're driven by their emotions. And the combination of them being driven by their emotions and being selfish makes them to, lead, uh, to make very selfish decisions. And a lot of their decisions are made, are, are made emotionally, right? Um, okay. Everything Joel does in this game, ultimately, uh, is to protect, not just protect himself from, from a survival perspective, but to protect his emotions. He does not want to get close to Tess, even though he clearly feels something with Tess, right? He treats Ellie like crap throughout, like, you know, through a good portion of the game. And every time he sees himself getting too close, he just pulls back because he needs to protect his emotion. Even especially what he said to her at the ranch, saying that, you know, you are not my daughter and I'm sure as hell not your dad, you know? And that wasn't even like something he just said, right? Just bringing up his daughter. All she did was bring up his daughter. I shouldn't say all she did was bring up his daughter. She brought up his daughter, and he immediately retracted into his emotional defensive state, right? And even at the end of the game, when he saves Ellie, yeah, sure, he saves her to keep her alive, but he's ultimately saving her for himself. He yes, doesn't definitely. want her to die. Definitely. He, he does not give her the choice. It'll be, I would feel different about him if after the fact he told her what happened after the fact or at the very least fought to get to her and got her woken up and gave her the choice. You know what I'm saying? Gave her the choice to decide what she wanted to do. Cause he knows even, even Marlene said he knows that she would do it. She would do it. He knows that. And I feel like she already knew. I feel like that's something they're not telling us. And that's why she was so weird at the end. Like, tell me, tell me, tell me. Possibly. And they, they, they might cover that in The Last of Us too. But, you know, they don't say that she knew. But, you know, he never gave her the choice. He just did it. And then he lied to her about it. Like, no, they don't need you. We're going to keep you alive. And he did that for himself. Yeah, he, every he, he He's extremely selfish. And he's not just so, like, I can understand being selfish in terms of survival. But he's just being emotionally selfish. And making decisions for people uh, so that he can feel better, and that's why I don't like Joel. He 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 decided to forsake the entire human race to protect his emotions, and he feels selfish. He feels like his he feels like he knows better, and his decisions are are on top. I don't know how to say it. I don't. I don't think. I don't even think. I don't even think he knows. He thinks he knows better. He just knows what he wants, and that's going to be it. He may he full he he knows what it, what it means for him to do what he did. He knows what it means, but he doesn't care. He does not care. He he is willing to sacrifice humanity. It's a parent. Like I can't see. Like he's. It's like what I said when they were walking. You know, and he's telling her he's going to teach her the guitar. He's become her parent and her family. And I think, I think over 50% of parents would make the same choice. Well, I'll take it from a different angle. You saying that, you know, he became her parent. 
I, I think he replaced her daughter, his daughter. Yes. He re, he yes, and there, there's a difference in the statement there. There's a difference in taking responsibility for somebody and then having somebody fill the like you know using somebody to fill your emotional void because that is what is he that's what he's doing. He is using her to fill his emotional void. And and I think that love is there. I think that love for a daughter is definitely there. Maybe. But like if he loved her that much he'd at least tell her. He'd be honest with her. Oh, I don't know about that, man. Parents Maybe. lie to kids all the time, dude. Oh, yeah. I'm I mean, sure like, they do. Like, you don't start telling your kids the truth until they're, like, in their 20s. Couldn't believe how <laughs> much shit my dad lied to me about later on in life. And he's like, yeah, I told you this, but it was actually this and that. This well, he, and- the, something like this, he'd never tell Ellie. He'd never tell her what happened because he knows I know he knows that if he if she ever found out what happened, she she'd would be mad. She would, she'd be so mad, and he doesn't want to lose that. Yeah, he doesn't he, want her to go away. Yeah, and he doesn't want to take the chance to tell her because if he tells her, she might just run off and go back. Exactly, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like he he everything he has done has been for himself. He is selfish, and I hate people who make selfish decisions. I mean, like I, I guess I'm not going to get too know. deep I into it. I don't agree with this, like that part. I just think he he feels like he's her dad now, and he loves her like a daughter, and he's not going to give her up, even if it saves everybody else on the planet. I mean, I know and for my daughter that, and my right. dad would do the same thing. Like he would murder people if it kept me safe. You know what I mean? Like that's there's a there's a difference between keeping somebody safe. And keeping them from the truth. Like, it's not like they just took Ellie and they were going to kill her to kill her. That's a different story. They took, like, you know, they got Ellie there and what, like, and her brain was essentially going to, it was going to, that's how they were going to get the vaccine. So if it was your daughter and you were able to have a conversation with her, like, this is what they're saying. What do you want to do? And she agreed with it. What do you do? It's hard to put myself in that situation. In that situation, yeah. But I think I would lie to my daughter too. Right. I think Okay, I, Joel. No. <laughs> I think I would lie to her to make sure that she wouldn't do what I do think is the right thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like right cuz I would think to myself if I was the cure, I would give myself up. I I I would do it for sh- like I'm almost positive ab- about that. Like if we were in this situation, world had been twenty years of just horrible things, horrible disease. If I could give myself up to help everybody else, I'm almost positive I would give up my daughter. I don't I don't think so. Right, yeah. But I'm that's, not I'm not thing. sure, but I don't think right, I would. No. But still ultimately that's a selfish decision. Like, it, you know yes, what I'm yes, yes. And uh, like and I do a, a lot. Decision. There's like there's a I'm very unselfish, I think, in a lot of things, but when it comes to my daughter, very selfish. Right. And what the thing I'm trying to say is not just about Ellie, right? It's not just about him him, you know viewing Ellie as his daughter. He like it's him ultimately it's what he does. He protects his emotions. That's what he does. Ever since his daughter died, that's what he does. He protects his emotions. Oh you know? yeah. And I'll give you that. Like he's definitely 
scarred like, and with, broken. Even with what happened with his brother, right? He probably didn't want to lose his brother, so he was so harsh on his brother that it was the worst experience in his brother's life to make sure that his brother lived. And his brother did live, but for a long time, his brother didn't want to talk to him. Yeah. You know? So that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, so, you know, like I said, him and Kratos are the same because I'm not going to go with the story of the original God of War, but ultimately his decisions, the, the, like his, his self, the selfish decisions that he made led to the predicament that he was in that led to the first events of God of War. And also, actually, in each God of War, by the time you get to the end of the game, you know, your selfish decisions ultimately like you know they come back and i don't i don't want to say they come back to you because i'm not going to give into too deep into it because i don't want to turn this into a god of war podcast <laughs> but it weighed heavily on how those games ended or the things that happened in those games and it's because of his decision so i guess i just yeah. i just really because you know i grew up with a lot of anger had adhd uh Early on, when people didn't know what it was, I had a lot of anger, got in a lot of fights, got kicked out of uh, multiple private schools before second grade, like I think six. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was a nuts kid. They didn't know how to, they didn't know how to handle me. Uh, and so a character that I grew up with that I loved was Wolverine. And he's very similar with that guarded, you know, e- emotions like, but he does do the right thing in a lot of situations, but it's, you know, it's, you know, if he's going to come first, he's going to take that. So I guess I just see Kratos and Joel as kind of similar to Wolverine. Right. Now I got you. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up here on this episode. We are going to have at least one more episode. Uh, in this first set of the series. And we're going to go through the DLC that came out uh, after The Last of Us called Left Behind. That should be a pretty short episode because it's only about a two-hour DLC, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, basically, DLC. it's basically two scenes that you play out and it flops back and forth between them, but it's a scene of Ellie and her girlfriend, right? Uh, kind of girlfriend. Well, um, definitely emotions there, but their little date before she runs off, and that it's also what happened in between where Joel took the you know the uh, the fall, yeah, yeah, the rebar, yeah, rebar through the abdomen. You see, you know what Ellie did to get what she needed to sew him up and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yep. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna, like I said we'll have one more episode for that, and then after that we'll we'll be gearing up for the Last of Us Part Two. Uh, but be you know until then we uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Bob, you want to give them your social media info? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at blazin underscore Bob. That's B L A Z Z I N underscore B O B. What about you, Josh? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jostradamus, or you can find me uh, streaming on twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. Uh, we'd love to have you join our Discord community, which is mash.gg slash Discord. And uh, there's some Last of Us channels in there if you want to discuss, you know, stuff from this podcast, stuff from The Last of Us. I even have a spoiler channel in there, but you, I, I won't be in that channel until after I finish The Last of Us Part 2. 
Uh, so I'll Smart. you can find me in the regular channel. Yeah. Smart, because there's a lot of spoilers, and even with the spoilers, I'm super excited about this game. And the spoilers are shocking, but I want to see how they do it. I don't want to judge it by it. Right. Uh, yeah, so we definitely want to hear your comments and questions. You can reach out to us on Discord. You can reach out to us on uh, email at contact at match.gg. You can reach out to us on Twitter. So, you know, let us know what you thought about the ending of The Last of Us, what you think about Joel and his emotions, or, you know, if he was he right or wrong to kill Marlene, or, you know, all the other stuff that kind of happens in the game. <laughs> yeah. Did Ellie believe Joel at the end? I want to know. Yeah. Uh, so if you, if you enjoy the show, you want to help us out. The best way to do that is to share the show with others and rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. And also, if you want to take your support a bit further, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash mash those buttons, where we have tiers starting at $1 a month. And, you know, you can gain early access to content as well as exclusive content. And we have a Teespring store, which is being refreshed a little bit at teespring.com slash store slash mash those buttons. Uh, we have a, if you want to you can also give us a, a twitch subscription if you have like a prime sub or something like that you got hanging around and uh yeah with that like i said before thank you very much for listening and you know i encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear more about match those buttons see you guys Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 